One of the greatest obstacles to crafting health and wellness is identifying and controlling inflammation. It's at the core of all complex and chronic diseases, and it's the driving mechanism that underlies the most common symptoms that people like you struggle to overcome. Join us as we explore cutting-edge science and research to give you the information and tools you need to create the quality of life you want and deserve. And now, here is the host of Inflammation Nation, Dr. Stephen Nosworthy. So in that last discussion uh, where we were talking about trying to decide if you're going to prioritize fat over carbohydrates, I, I kind of suggested I was going to separate them out. But um, like I said at the end, it's really hard. It's really hard to talk about fat as a fuel source without also talking about carbohydrates as a fuel source simply because of this reason. The more fuel you take from carbohydrate sources, the less that you have to take from fat sources as long as you're keeping your protein level stable. Remember, there's caloric value pretty much to all food types, all macronutrients. Protein and carbohydrates both have about four calories per gram, whereas fat is a much more energy-dense source. It's got about nine calories uh, per gram of fat. And so what we talked about the last time was this carbohydrate sweet spot idea that in general, if our goal is to lose weight, we want to minimize carbohydrates and prioritize fat. And you might think, well, that doesn't make sense because you just told me that there's more calories in fat than there is in carbohydrates. Well, yes, but we're not, we're not trading out gram per gram fat for carbohydrates. For example, uh, in order for me, if I'm going to you know, take out, say, 100 calories out of my diet, I can either take out about 11 grams of fat or I can take out 25 grams of carbohydrates. And again, it's just all simple math. And as long as you know the numbers and how all the pieces relate together, it's fairly easy to calculate these things. But let's go back to this idea that, you know, over the last several decades, we've had more and more research that shows the absolute folly of high carbohydrate diets and, and avoiding fat as if it is a progenitor or a cause of, of disease states. And I would include the saturated fats from animal products uh, as well in the classification of, of healthy fats. There's really no compelling evidence in medical or nutritional science that says that saturated fat is bad for us. In fact, there's probably more that says it's good for us, particularly for the brain. Now, nevertheless, how do we make these decisions? And again, if you're choice is, or if your goal is to recomposition your body, right? I want to lose body fat. I want to increase muscle mass. That means that I'm going to have to optimize my protein intake. And it probably means I'm going to have to go to the gym and I'm going to have to do some lifting, which means I want to activate a process of muscle protein synthesis, which is not going to happen, at least not efficiently if you're not eating enough protein. But then the question comes as to how are you going to fuel that activity? And it really depends on what kind of activity it is that you're looking for. So if you are a typical gym goer, you're just joining a gym and going in and you're doing kind of standard, even standard bodybuilding routines where maybe you're on a circuit or you're breaking up your exercise into different body parts on different days, and you're doing sub-maximal training, meaning you're not constantly pushing your limits to get stronger and bigger and stronger and bigger, then chances are you need to limit your carbohydrates to the point where 
you're consuming the lowest amount of carbs possible to still function well and to fuel your activity as well as your recovery, meaning you're going to get most of your fuel sources coming in from uh, fat from your diet, but ideally you're going to be burning your own body fat as a fuel source. And this is where things like caloric deficits come in, because I'll tell you right now, that even if you hit the right macronutrient profile in terms of your carbohydrate and your fat balance, if you're eating enough to keep your body satisfied, you're not going to create a situation where your body is forced to burn body fat as a fuel source. And in some cases, you can really drop your calories down quite low, although I wouldn't do it for sustained periods of time. But you can really drop your body fat, or I'm sorry, your, your caloric intake down quite low, as long as you're eating enough protein throughout the day to maintain your muscle protein synthesis and your muscle mass. And you can continue to be active and even lift weights to a certain degree. And people will say, well, where are your calories going to come from? Like you need 2,000 calories a day. You're only, only eating 1,200. Well, guess where the extra is coming from? As I break down body fat and liberate that and put the triglyceride content of my fat cells into the bloodstream, that becomes my fuel source. So I'm either going to burn the energy I'm consuming or I'm going to burn the energy that's stored in my fat cells. And that's really ultimately what the goal is. Hence the general requirement for a caloric deficit. Um, so the carbohydrate sweet spot is a very good place to start. And, and that's really a comfortable place for most people because not everyone adapts very well to going lower carbohydrate or even towards the ketogenic state. I would tell you that, again, as a general rule, if you struggle dropping your carbohydrates down and if you struggle to get into ketosis or you can, but it's a, it's a miserable ride for you, you have that keto flu and you just feel like crap all the time. I'm telling you right now that you have a blood sugar issue, a blood sugar, let's say electrolyte, electrolyte issue, and those things tend to go hand in hand. Um, in fact, um, most of the people who struggle with low carb diets um, and, and ketogenic transitions uh, have what we call reactive hypoglycemia. And that means that if they go too long without food or if they eat too little calories throughout the day, then, you know, they get shaky, they get irritable, they get lightheaded, they get some kind of a symptom and then they eat and they feel better. You, you might remember those Mars bars commercials where people get hangry and turn into a diva and then they have a Mars bar and they turn back to normal. It's, you know, kind of like the idea of reactive hypoglycemia. But what I have observed uh, throughout my career, and I've confirmed this with other colleagues, is that the more profound that symptom picture is, the, the less likely someone is to adapt to a low carb and certainly a ketogenic approach. Doesn't mean you can't get there, it just means that you might have to hang out in the carbohydrate sweet spot for a period of time before you start to drop your carbs even lower and really shoot to, to start to get into that ketogenic state. Well, let's talk about quality then, because if we, if we know that in general, we're going to have to actually no. Let me let me pause that and put a, that for the next discussion. Um, and I want to finish off this concept before we move on to something else. But eventually, I think we want to talk about choices in terms of quality of protein, fat, and carbohydrates because you can have a great macronutrient profile, but if you're eating crap sources of those things, then that's not going to help you all that much either. That will tend to promote an inflammatory response. Um, so when we start looking at the the carbohydrates the potential sensitivity to lowering carbohydrates too much or too quickly, and then filling in the rest of your caloric requirements with, um, with healthy fats. I, I would say that the, the 
the two main determinants of how many carbohydrates you need are going to be your sensitivity to lowering your carbs. Do you have a symptom picture that is consistent with reactive hypoglycemia? And the second thing is, how intense is your physical training? So for example, if you are in, um, let's just pick two things. If you are working out at, at a CrossFit gym, or maybe you're doing Orange Theory Fitness where you're working out at 85% of your theoretical maximum heart rate on a regular basis, and you're doing that four, five, six days a week, there's a good chance that you're probably going to need more carbohydrates in your diet than if you weren't doing that type of activity. And again, these are general considerations because I know plenty of people who can actually, uh, in fact, I know people who are full carnivores who, who literally eat zero carbohydrates, and I mean zero. They live entirely off animal proteins and healthy fats, and they are strong athletic beasts. Maybe they have some unique genetics. Maybe they have slightly different physiology and met metabolic states, and that might be true in some cases. So all things are possible, but again, as a general rule, the higher the volume of your physical activity, and more importantly, the higher the intensity of that physical activity, and the more frequently you perform it, tends to increase the need for carbohydrates as a fuel source. Now, that it doesn't necessarily mean that you take a lower carb, higher fat diet and switch those so that you're high carb, low fat. There's probably a balance in there somewhere where you want to eat enough carbohydrates to fuel your performance and your recovery and no more than that. You still want to limit the carbohydrates. And let me just kind of give you a hint of well, where this conversation is going. Um, maybe a couple of discussions down the road, a couple of episodes in the future, is that the main thing that we're trying to control with the carbohydrates is we're trying to control insulin. And insulin is a, a massive deal for people who have energy regulation issues, and it is a potent regulator of either fat storage or fat liberation. And it's one, one of several metabolic switches that either determines you're either storing fat or you're burning it and so on. So that, that's where we're eventually going, and we'll link that to inflammation once we get there. But the concept is this. The more muscle mass you have, the heavier the weights that you lift, the more frequently you do that, the longer you spend in the gym, chances are you're going to need more carbohydrates, but you don't want to eat ad libitum. You don't want to eat freely carbohydrates and not track them. And you still want to find the balance. If on one hand, we're trying to find the lowest amount of carbohydrates people can eat and still function well on, when it comes to increasing carbs to fuel performance and recovery, we want to limit the maximum number of carbohydrates that we can perform and recover and eat no more than that, at least on some kind of a routine basis. So going back to kind of the methodology of what I've been laying out here is we set calories as the primary goal, and that's a daily target that we try to hit or get very close to. Then we set our protein target based on our body weight and what our goals are. And I suggested a range of 0.8 to 1.0 grams of protein per pound of body weight. And that's your current body weight. Yes, there are different ways to do it. And I, I kind of understand the pros and cons of all of those. But I'm trying to keep this simple for right now. And once we have those targets set, 
Then we decide the balance between carbohydrates and fat as our primary fuel source. Most people are going to benefit from limiting their carbs to at least the sweet spot to begin with and then playing with dropping it further to see if becoming ketogenic actually works for them. However, the more dominant their reactive hypoglycemic pattern is or symptom pattern if they have it, the less likely they will thrive and do well dropping their carbohydrates. We could work them into that over time. And once we find where our carbohydrate intake needs to be, then we add the rest of our calories in with healthy fats. In the next discussion, we'll start talking about quality of choices because sometimes that does make a difference. Thank you so much for listening to the Inflammation Nation. If you found this episode valuable, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. Be the first to know when a new episode drops so that you can stay on top of your game. It also helps others like you find the answers they need. And why not head over to my main website, drnoseworthy.com, that's drnoseworthy.com, to explore my personalized functional medicine coaching programs, submit a question to the podcast, maybe take a quiz, or even reach out to me using the contact form that you can find there. We'll see you next time.